This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, January 15th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, let's start out with running back recruiting. As the Buckeyes try to finish up this 2020 class, they have Mayan Williams in the class from Cincinnati, Winton Woods. They want to add one more, if possible, by the late signing day next month. Down to Zach Evans and Jameer Gibbs, it looks like. Uh, if they can get one of those two, I think they'd be happy. Although, I don't know about Zach Evans. I mean, where do you come down backs on the Zach Evans debate? Do you think Zach Evans would be a take for Ohio State? You know, it's a really weird situation with everything that's gone on in his recruitment. It seems like there's a, not a lot of guidance for the kid. and It seems like he's had a little bit of immaturity along the way. Uh, but on the flip side, there's only going to be questioning whether he's one of the best running backs in the country. The kid's a five-star for a reason. So, uh, you know, if OSU decides to – pursue him, it means they've seen enough to make themselves confident that he's not going to negatively impact the locker room. Uh, I also think people need to recognize that at times, like, we don't have, like, you know, this whole team of choir boys. I mean, there's going to be different personalities and conflict on a 105-person team. So, you know, if if I think they put Brian Hartline in the lead on this. If you've watched that he's fallen Evans on Twitter, I'm sure they've been communicating. If they get him on campus, I'm sure there'll be a lot of very direct questions about, you know, what's going on. But the, the kid's talent's hard to ignore. And if OSU sees enough to make them confident that the kid's talent is worth the risk, then I'm all for it. Uh, I don't necessarily think that we know enough yet on to, A, whether he really has that much interest in OSU, B, as to whether – OSU feels comfortable about him and see whether or not it's going to be something that works out as it takes for them. But I do think they're doing their due diligence. That's probably the prudent thing to do right now. Jameer Gibbs will take his official visit this weekend. Um, are, are you optimistic at all that Ohio State's going to land him? I'm still in the position of I'll have to see it to believe it because there's a lot of Southern schools after him. Um, doesn't help Ohio State's cause that he's coming up when the high is going to be 25 degrees this weekend on Sunday, and it's going to pour all day Saturday in the 40s. And You know, a rule of thumb for these Southern kids visiting is you really don't want to try to have them visit January because normally it's uh, pretty miserable in Ohio in January. I wish we could have got them last weekend whenever the high was like 70. That would have helped a lot. But at the end of the day, I, I think they're certainly in the mix for him. But I don't think they're the favorite for him. And, you know, second place doesn't really count for much in recruiting. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, second place gets you nothing in recruiting. I guess maybe the portal. Well, now with the portal, I guess if you finish second, maybe you can circle back like they did with Antoine Jackson, the D-tackle who 
couldn't even get on the field this year. Maybe he will as a fifth-year senior this coming fall. They were stacked at D-tackle this year, so maybe Antoine Jackson uh, will have a big fifth-year senior season. But, yeah, usually you get nothing if you finish second in recruiting. Um, let's look at the 2020 schedule. I, I, I've been looking a lot at the 2020 schedule lately for the Buckeyes. Obviously, it's headlined by the Week 2 game at Oregon. I love that. The Ducks are losing a ton of players off last year's team. You think Ohio State's losing a lot. Oregon's losing a ton of guys. I think they're losing their entire offensive line, plus obviously quarterback Justin Herbert and a bunch of other guys. But it's an interesting schedule, backs at Oregon, and then the other two non-conference games are Bowling Green and Buffalo at home. Um, the crossover games, Iowa at home, Nebraska at home, at Illinois, not too bad there, especially beginning to play at Illinois the week before Michigan. I like that. I don't think Illinois is going to be. I know they made a bowl this year. I don't think they're going to be very good. It's interesting, though. Middle part of the schedule at Michigan State, at Penn State, back-to-back weeks in October, and, of course, the Buckeyes hosting Michigan. Just your overall thoughts about this 2020 schedule, Bax. Well, Oregon's interesting. Uh, I was watching Jamie Newman's time in the transfer portal with great interest because uh, Oregon was really looking hard at him. And for those of you who aren't aware, Jamie Newman was the quarterback from Wake Forest this year that a lot of people uh, thought was going to be a big-time kid through the portal this year, and he ended up at Georgia instead of at Oregon. So that's a good thing for Ohio State. Uh, that trip to Oregon is going to be fascinating because you know Mario Cristobal has been recruiting really well up there, sort of in the, the lack of USC or to a lesser extent, UCLA, uh, being dominant with the California kids and recruiting like they should be, Oregon's been taking advantage. They've been getting a lot of the top kids from California in recent years. So I, I do think this Oregon team is definitely talented, but they don't, we don't know anything about who's going to be their quarterback right now. And Ohio State's going to waltz in there with Justin Fields. So that's going to certainly be to Ohio State's favor. Uh, the Big Ten schedule is interesting. First of all, Iowa and Columbus is – Really nice, because I don't remember the last time they actually came here. It seems like we always have to go out there whenever we cross over with them. So I, I think Ohio State fans are going to be certainly interested in seeing the Hawkeyes get blasted. Uh, that's a decent Iowa team, even though they're losing a couple of their best key players. Uh, their, their offensive linemen just uh, declared for the NFL, I believe, last night, yesterday afternoon. So they, they've uh, they've lost some talent. You know, A.J. Apenza has gone, too. Um, but I, I think the back-to-back trips to Sparty and Penn State aren't as scary as maybe most people think. Sparty is not in a good spot as a program right now. Um, that's a team that, you know, we all remember the Michigan State teams of the of the, the early teens to, you know, that were the only ones that really competed with Urban Meyer's first couple squads in the Big Ten. That program's nowhere near that right now. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the coaching staff for D'Antonio. There hasn't been a big shakeup like we expected them to have. I just, I got right now D'Antonio to me seems like one of those coaches who's playing out the strength. So that doesn't scare me. The big night game against Penn State, because let's face it, it's always a freaking night game when we go there. You know, they come to Columbus and it's it's a noon kickoff, but no, we go there. Man, I hope Fox is really big on that big noon kickoff this next year because I don't want to have to play another night whiteout game because things get weird when that happens. But that's the that's probably the most challenging away game for Ohio State this year. Um, and then, you know, the Nebraska game could be interesting. I think Nebraska is going to be the opposite of where they were going in the last season, you know. A lot of us said, oh, wow, that team's really going to take a leap under Frost in his second year. Adrian Martinez is going to get better. And then they just didn't, right? They didn't make a bowl. So I think Iowa or Nebraska is going to potentially be kind of an afterthought kind of program 
coming into this season this fall. And it wouldn't surprise me if you know, maybe they improved to seven or eight wins this year. It's a slow build out there. It's, it's not the easiest program to uh, rejuvenate. And Frost did a great job in recruiting this year, but those guys are only freshmen. So, you know, from an Ohio State perspective, I, li- I like the crossover. There's no scary Big Ten West game. If you have to pick a team to travel to in the Big Ten West, it's probably Illinois would be the you know best way to put it. And while I'm sure it'll be 45 mile an hour winds and 15 degrees when they go to the uh, to just Champaign to play the Illini, uh, in the end I, I think the schedule is favorable for OSU. And you know especially the Oregon game, that's a marquee game. Oregon's going to be a top 10 preseason team even with their losses. And so the ability to beat a team like that. Uh, is going to look good on the resume. It's the kind of win that's going to continue to bolster the reputation of a school like OSU. But, you know, I, I, I think there's nothing in this schedule that makes me go, oh, man, that's unfair. There's no Penn State and that school up north in back-to-back weeks to close out the season like we had this year. So, oh, and then they also get to avoid Wisconsin, which is something we've all been wondering for a while about anyways. So, end of the day, I think it's a good schedule for Ohio State. I think for what Ohio State's losing, there's nothing that's going to be exposed, quote-unquote, by, uh, you know, playing Oregon early. I think Ohio State actually brings back really a lot of talent. And that game will be really interesting to see how they perform, but you have to think Ohio State will be a pretty big favorite in that one. Yeah, I love that there's that marquee game that second week of the season at Oregon. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to close the show with what I consider to be a fascinating debate. Uh, Obviously, everybody's a prisoner of the moment, and there's you know, many debates on the front row message board right now about did Urban Meyer allow the wrong quarterback to leave when it was the Joe Burrow versus Dwayne Haskins showdown in spring ball 2018. Urban never declared a starter. He did sit the two down and say that Dwayne was a little bit ahead of Joe after spring ball. Joe was up front saying he needed to know he was going to be the starter um, after spring ball or he was going to leave. Um, everybody I thought handled it in a very professional and mature manner. Um, I just liked how everybody handled it. But beyond that, people are now saying Urban Meyer made the wrong decision because look what happened to Joe Burrow this year. Um, I'll give my take after you give yours. Did Urban Meyer choose the wrong quarterback, or did he allow the wrong quarterback to leave after spring ball of 2018, or did he make the right call at the time? A lot of people want to pile on Urban for this. Look, I've been critical about his quarterback decisions in the past. Starting J.T. Barrett through 2017 was an absolute mistake, and that's not revisionist history there. Um, But the truth is, I don't think anybody can do anything other than say that it was the correct choice for all parties involved. First of all, Dwayne Haskins was coming off of beating Michigan. Uh, He came into a game they were losing, and he engineered the win. It's really hard to have Joe Burrow beat out Dwayne Haskins in that scenario if he's not clearly better. Second of all, Dwayne Haskins threw for 50 freaking touchdowns last year. Joe Burrow threw for 16. Like, nobody was saying this last year, right? Nobody under the sun thought that keeping Dwayne Haskins over Joe Burrow was a mistake when Haskins was a Heisman finalist last year. Third, Ohio State's quarterback this year is a kid named Justin Fields that they have for not just this year but the year after. You don't get him if you keep Burrow. And Haskins maybe leads. Maybe Haskins going to be the starter next year would be the way this would have worked out. I don't know. But you don't have Justin Fields. He threw 40-something touchdown passes himself this year. I, I get that Burrow had an amazing year at LSU. <laughs> he had an amazing year as part of an innovative offense with one of the best offensive minds in the sport right now in Joe Brady, who they brought in only this year. 
you cannot say that Joe Burrow would have done exactly what he did. There, there are people who say, well, Joe Burrow would have won a Heisman or National Championship at Ohio State. No question about it had he started. Yes, there's a question about it. You couldn't say that. You couldn't say that one bit. You in no way, shape, or form know that Joe Burrow would have done what he's done had the situation been different. Joe Burrow's development into the number one pick in the draft from a sixth or seventh rounder this year is certainly part of his own his own improvement, which is even more than I think a lot of us. Like, there's nobody who really thought Joe Burrow was going to be a 60-touchdown quarterback in college football. You're a liar and you're insane if you believe that. This is unpredictable. It's the definition of unpredictable. And also, Joe Burrow would not have been this good had he not been in the absolute correct offense for him and had somebody come in that helped him grow at the pace he needed to. What happened was what needed to happen for all parties involved. Joe Burrow's an LSU legend now. Joe Burrow got the chance to improve from 16 touchdowns to 60 in one season. What happened for Ohio State? Dwayne Haskins was the best quarterback in the country last year throwing the football, right? And then this year, Justin Fields was right up there with any statistics anybody put up. And those two quarterbacks combined over the course of two seasons went 26-2. and two. So forgive me for not being mad at Urban on this one. You know, we can debate whether JT Barrett should have started in 2017 until the cows come home. Uh, I, I would be willing to have that argument every day because he shouldn't have started JT Barrett, especially after the Oklahoma debacle where it was clear JT was not the best quarterback left on the roster. Uh, and that's not revisionist history for me. I was saying he should have brought in Dwayne Haskins the week after. And College Game Day even played the audio on national TV. So don't even come at me with that one saying that's revisionist history. But 2018 and this year, look, just give Joe Burrow credit for having done an amazing job in Baton Rouge. But it wasn't the wrong decision for Ohio State. You're just retconning things if you're claiming it was. You nailed it. I don't need to add much uh, as far as my take because here's where I come down. Last year, Dwayne Haskins was better than Joe Burrow. In 2018, he was better. Uh, as you said, there was not one person that was saying, even the, the staunchest LSU fan that was saying Joe Burrow was better than Dwayne Haskins in 2018. In 2019, yes, Joe Burrow was better than Justin Fields, by, but not by much. When Justin Fields was healthy and able to run, he was right there with Joe Burrow, in my opinion. And um, the only thing that kept his stats down, even though Justin Fields had excellent stats, was that he was not playing in the second half of most games where – Joe Burrow was. So by the end of the season, okay, Joe Burrow had a little bit better of a year than Justin Fields. LSU fans might say he had a lot, he had, you know, it was more than just a little bit better. I get it, but there wasn't much of a gap between Justin Fields and Joe Burrow this past season, as great as Joe Burrow was. That's how great Justin Fields is. And as you mentioned, Ohio State will also have Justin Fields in 2020. If they would have kept Joe Burrow, they would have had a worse quarterback in 2018 than Dwayne Haskins, because Dwayne Haskins would have left. They would have been in good shape this year, of course, 2019. But then, 2020, who's the quarterback? True freshman C.J. Stroud? Maybe. Uh, maybe another transfer quarterback? Who knows? But it wouldn't be Justin Fields. And I think at the time, Urban made the right call. It was very tough for him. Very tough. And, again, he never said, this is my quarterback. He said, you know, Dwayne's a little bit ahead of Joe is what it was. So, great stuff from Matt Baxendale. I appreciate it, champ. Real quick programming note. We're going to get Ryan Day today at 1 o'clock. That's really cool that Jerry Emig is setting that up, and it's cool that Ryan Day – is giving some of his time to the media. He's very generous with his time. I bet we're going to get over a half hour of Ryan Day, so keep it locked to Bucknuts. 1 o'clock today, Ryan Day. We will have video of everything he says. We will have stories. Ryan Day today at 1 o'clock. Keep it locked to Bucknuts. Thanks again to the people champ, Matt Baxendale, and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. We'll chat with Buckeye Swag, best damn band in the land. Bye.